Hello, everybody, and welcome back to The Spoiler Show. This is where we talk about uh, movies that are of big deal, sometimes TV shows, sometimes other stuff. But today it's a movie, and I'm joined by Justin Robert Young. Hello. Hi. Hello. Uh, Hi. It's as if we just got on the phone and started talking. It's as if we, did. we haven't been talking at all before this. Nope. At yeah, all. We're just, uh, we're fresh. We're right. fired up. <clears throat> fresh. Nobody knows anything. We're just here, and we're here to talk about Guardians of the Galaxy. I'm Scott Johnson, by the way, and... Um, we love this show, and it's not often enough that we do it. Before we get to Guardians of the Galaxy, or G-O-T-G, as the internet has decided to shrink it to because they're sure. too lazy to type it all out, and Twitter's it's part a, of the problem. It's, it's a Twitter universe. I understand. Uh, can we just at least lay our feelings down a little bit on the uh, uh, the, the Apes movie, which we didn't did, I get I feel to like, do? all right, so this is kind of like our, our summer movie recap. I guess now so. all the yeah. big movies are kind of out. Um I saw three movies in a row, and I feel like they went in ascending order of my enjoyment. Oh, wow. Uh, so so uh, real quick, a uh, big shout out to Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah, love that one. Uh, I thought it was really great. It was a really, really smart script. And then in, a, in, a, in a summer that was less than in terms of box office grosses, it was down a hefty sum, uh, I feel like there were th- these three movies were really smartly written like in a way that we really don't see in summer blockbusters all that often Mm. and edge of tomorrow might have been the smartest in terms of like the plot not necessarily the story but like that script was always ahead of you like to the point where at some point you realize this is again the spoiler show so if you have not this is, I mean, the Guardians of the Galaxy spoiler show, so we'll try to keep it to a minimum. Yeah. But at some point, you realize that you're more identifying with Emily Blunt than Tom Cruise. Yeah. That he is ahead of you in his time stream, whereas previously you thought you were parallel with Tom Cruise, and now you don't know how this movie ends. And for a while, you thought she was way ahead of anybody. Yeah, and so, uh, that all changed. That's interesting. I didn't thought of it from that perspective, but that's it was an really twist. smart, yeah. and it was one of those things that, like, for a very uh, you know a premise that we've seen in Groundhog Day and, and other stuff, like it was really smart the way that they handled that, and and it made that movie worth it. And I'm really glad it got to a hundred million, yeah. not only because I had it in my fruitful cam- a, a fruitless <laughs> campaign for the movie draft. <laughs> But also because I'm glad that people will look at that and say, "Oh, that's in a, in a kind of a crap summer." Yeah, it made a hundred million, and and we should look to do more. Things. Well, it was a slow burn for them. Like it, it came out real raw against that um, that uh, teenage cancer movie, which uh, yeah. everybody went and saw that weekend. So it's it was a slow burn. But I think there was a lot of positive um, word of mouth, like straight up. Let's go back to word of mouth days. And I think that movie benefited from that. I told everyone I knew that it was great, and they all and I went and saw it on opening weekend. And uh, yeah, um, good to see it crawl back from what could have been an early grave. And uh, I want more smartly well written sci fi. I don't care who's in it or who's. And by the way, like, can we just real quick sideline discuss Emily Blunt and Scarlett Johansson becoming credible action stars? No, dude, she's. I already had a. I have a huge crush, but not in a traditional sort of she's hot sort of way with Emily Blunt. I just find her very fascinating to watch act yeah and, uh, she she nailed it i thought she was awesome yeah this I'm, is a good year for that stuff for i'll sure. tell you what you could put emily blunt you know especially you look at her in looper and edge of tomorrow put her in like like uh an, an assault on precinct 13 oh, kind no, of movie you got her, just dude. like yeah. 
like her and she has to make some you know friends with some of the prisoners and a mob boss or something put like. her in every like prison escape movie put her in um uh, and put her in the next dread have her be a female yeah. dread agent oh my god dude yeah she's I, awesome she's amazing yeah female judge like you know it's funny you brought her like up with scojo in the same sentence because she was uh she was offered the role of black widow and turned it down because she didn't want to end up being in a, a franchise she said she wanted to be a comic book character for the rest of her life um i don't know if she you know it's funny that now or it's what. funny because that got cast around the time that like the incredible hulk was either in production or coming out. Like yeah. Iron Man was good, but that's pre-Disney involvement. Right. Um, so it's like, you know, I wonder whether or not Marvel being what it is now, if she makes that same decision. It's a really interesting point because you're right. If it was, I forgot that Iron Man 1 predated the acquisition in 09, didn't it? Oh, Iron Man and Hulk. It's funny. And I was actually talking to Andrew Main via text and, and about Guardians of the Galaxy. And he's like, you know, Marvel, when Iron Man hit and Hulk didn't, yeah. the the die was cast for Marvel. Yeah. Super likable leads. That's that was like, like, let's and, and it's funny because uh, the other superhero success story, Batman, went the other way. Sure. Where it was complex lead you know Mm -hmm. um but they they just said just make them fun let's let's same year too you forget that dark knight and uh, iron man one were same year i forget that dark knight was right yeah yeah returns yeah so middle not not batman begins no 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 not begins in oh five eight eight was returns and then last one was bane no, no, Returns was the last one. Oh, well, what's the second one? That was 08. No, Dark Knight Rising. Rise, Rising is Dark, third. The Dark Knight, TDK, was the middle one. I thought that was just Dark Knight Returns. Am I just thinking no, of the Frank Miller that, novel? That's the Frank Miller novel, which apparently Batman vs. Superman, like, they're just going to... I'll tell you what, Batman vs. <laughs> Superman, the movie, yeah. will be thought of at best if they never release the movie and just do Comic-Con panels where they just tease elements from the comic. Yeah, that'd I be good. feel like that would be the best thing that they could well, do. Well, that's all they did at this Comic-Con is they showed off, you know, Batman in his armor with his fat bat logo and uh, freaking Superman with his red eyes. You just recreated part of that comic book. Like, exactly. You know, it's, like, it's literally like frame for frame. The, the Comic-Con before that, they just had the dude from Man of Steel read a, a literal <laughs> passage from, from The Dark Knight Returns. Uh, I feel like every time that they're talking about the actual movie, like, hey, we cast Ben Affleck. Like, hey, we cast uh, Mark Zuckerberg as Lex Luthor. Like, if they just do things from the comic at Comic-Con, they will be thought of very well. Yeah, I agree. They're they're playing to the right audience when they do that. So I thought that was that was good. So we jump ahead now to well, a, a good well, summer. Oh, you yeah, apes. Apes. Let's, apes, apes. Yeah. Let's talk about apes. I like apes That's a lot. another movie where it's so brilliant yeah. on two very specific levels. Number one, on a story level, uh, and, the, and the, the nuts from that studio, because apparently they scrapped a script that followed the James Franco character. Oh, good. Uh, they scrapped <laughs> it totally. Uh, I'm thrilled to hear this. Because Matt Reeves, the director for uh, the new one. Yeah, also said, known for, I forgot the other thing you know, he's known for. Oh, the uh, the Clo- ultimatum uh, movie. No. Yeah, one of the Borns, right? 
Think yes, the third one. no, he did the most recent. Yeah, the one, the one, I, the one I quite liked. I know a lot of people didn't like it. I liked it. The one that wasn't Paul Green. Yeah, the one with uh, had the, the, the green and uh, green arrow. It had uh, Jeremy Renner. Jeremy Renner in it. <laughs> I got the wrong uh, arrow too, but anyway. <laughs> uh, but they they said, listen, uh, Reeve said you need to not give up the fact that you created one of the most compelling non-human characters in cinema history. Yeah, like we got to follow this. That showed a lot of nuts. It was tremendously a, a, a cinematic and CGI achievement. But also think about it like this. You could tell that story mm. as a stage play. Hell yeah, you could. It's really only like three sets, right? Like you could even tell all of the power plant stuff as off camera or off stage. You could just have people come back and you would still have just have the human set, the ape set. You could tell that story in exactly as compelling as you did as a stage play, which is amazing when you look at how compact and tight a story about a post-human ape mm-hmm. apocalypse. Is. Completely agree. And I liked that you could do an intermission in your play and have your set piece battle scene. You could do that on stage. Um, yep. There was nothing there that you couldn't have done with some some cool lights and some good stage work. I, it, it that's funny you even say that because again the strength of this and I think of the first one were these performances by the motion captured apes not so much the humans although in this one much better uh, than the first one I thought the first one everybody who was human just kind of drove me up a wall uh, but every time that Caesar and and monkeys <laughs> well, you know the stage, thing about Franco Franco in the first one is that he in no way convinced me that he could be a revolutionary nope. bio captain nope. No. But he did convince me of somebody who would really want to raise a monkey. Yeah, and somebody, <laughs> and somebody which was really who, yeah, like yeah. my the more important part of the story, <laughs> as we find out. It's kind of incidental. Like you sure. could, you could, like there could be a revelation at some point where he found that formula by copying off his smart yeah. roommate in yeah. Princeton. Yeah, and. Uh, and that's why he is there in that situation. Because really all that matters is that he wants to raise a monkey. Right. But the tech is just so unbelievably uh, organic. And it doesn't feel amazing. like I'm trying to be amazing. impressed with something. It just pulls out these amazing performances. And you don't even know that's Judy Greer as the mom ape. But you don't care because she's just so good at, at making you I feel for I her. Li- I, I did not know that until you told that to me. I mean, Isn't I, that like, crazy? The the I, this. What would really put me over the edge was the scenes with Koba yeah. and the asshole. Oh, he's humans amazing. In the Koba's amazing. Like Who, where, whoever that dude is in there, he everyone, oh. everybody wants to talk about freaking Yoda. Not Yoda. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Gollum. Gollum guy, man, whose name escapes me right this second. Andy Circus. Andy Circus. Everybody wants to talk about Circus, and they should. He's incredible. But that guy, he might, he might get a, Koba, he might get an dude? Oscar now. He probably should. But Koba, dude. Give him a supporting then because he's a real good and just I mean, kind of he, that was a frightening moment, dude. That whole bit. Ugh. Koba's got an arc, yeah. you know, like it starts out as like loyal lieutenant. And like, obviously, this is kind of uh, a cliche in, in movie making whenever you have any kind of military story uh, where the lead, our sympathetic lead is the head of the army. There's always the overzealous general who, who you know, is, is doing things for his own aims. But like, that was so compelling. Yeah. It was just so amazing to see him as a character evolve. But also, just that scene where he goes from where he's patronizing. Yeah, he's playing hum- circus ape to gain their whatever. Like, was just 
great. <laughs> it was just so compelling. And I and love one I, of the one of those actors that got that got. I realize we're not spoiling the wrong movie here, but it's not really a spoiler. But one of those two that got ended by by him yeah. uh, is famous for being a regular before he was offed in uh, Justified, and then also did a really great turn toward the end of Breaking Wait, Bad. See. Who was he in Justified? Justified, the first three seasons. I want to say, I think it was the first three. He was, um, he was what's his name's right hand man. Um, oh uh, wait, oh oh, he was the the yes, one of the Crowders. One of the, one of the Crowders. Oh, well, was he a Crowder? I guess he was. Yeah, as a cousin. Yeah, no, he was the one in the in the wheelchair, right? He, no, that's the no? other Crowder, and he's still with us. I think it's the. Oh, okay. um, I want to. I can't remember his name, but he was super into the whole. Uh, skinhead thing that what's his name was all into and kind of yeah, followed him through all yeah, that. No, and he and he wound up yes, no. So and he backed the wrong play in the in in the Detroit. Correct. Schism. So him yeah. him and uh, uh that blonde guy from the Cadillac commercial whose name just left me too. It's too yeah, for this. yeah. I can't think of anyone's names. I just saw him in Minority Report. Anyway, the point is that guy. Is a, a cool, great kind of that kind of actor. Anyway, by the way, that ruined me from ever buying Cadillac. <laughs> really. Like when you have the guy who is like, he's so Neil awesome. McDonough, that's him. Yeah. He's so amazing and yeah. justified, but it's like, you have like that weird, like, <laughs> it, like it was just one of the amazing for, for Graham Yost of, of justified, yeah. like just one of the best villains ever. Where you was just amazing. Have these, amazing. Like, the two other things, aside from everything that's happening in the plot that we see resolved, yeah. the two dangling threads that we never get full resolution on right. are a, He's apparently a pretty good dad. <laughs> right. And B, he is into gay murder sex. Yep. Like, it's like, yep. it's like so, um, it's so amazing. Yeah. And then he's like, and that's why you should buy a Cadillac. Not from you, gay murder sex. Not good from dad you, guy. guy. You played that I'm too sorry. well. Yeah. You better, I'm going to check your sleeve before I look to take the keys from you, psychopath. Yeah, Tom, Tom Cruise needs to poke you in the neck with a puke <laughs> stick as soon as he can because you are trouble. You're always uh, trouble. I love that guy. But anyway, yes. Uh, no, no. Uh, Apes, Apes was amazing. Amazing. So, so, so good. Entertaining, so fun, good. paced well. Uh, no easy answers. That's my favorite thing about it. There are no easy answers to that conflict. And they never tried to force one down my throat. It was always, you're like, wait, I, these humans are up to some stuff that I kind of agree with here. And the, well, wait a minute, I kind of see the ape's point of view. And well, then the humans, you know, they kind of like, there are no clear villains. Koba, oh. Even Koba is not a clear villain. It's just this complicated, humanistic approach to what could be schlock and Michael Bay chase scenes. And it's not, it's so much more than that. And I just hats off to those guys, man. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, Koba's got motivation. Um, you know, what's who I can't remember right now, but he's like the best actor ever in the history of the oh, planet. Uh, 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 freaking serious black. Uh, yeah, uh, Gary, Oldman. Gary Oldman. Jeez, Gary Oldman. What's with it the ain't names white boy tonight? Day, is it? <laughs> nah, man, it ain't white boy day. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Look, no. all I can see him is shooting a gun backwards with a weird plastic helmet in uh, Fifth Element. That's my vision of oh, him anytime he's he the best. Him yeah. He's the best. He's great. Everyone, listen, watch True Romance. <laughs> if you if you have not watched True Romance and you if, if right now you're like I don't know, I mean Gary Oldman's okay. Yeah, watch True Romance. Yeah, and you, just realize he's in it for two scenes. No, he and, steals them. 
Steals the movie. <laughs> he kills it. He's the best. Yeah. Even him, who you kind of think going in is just going to be ape fanatic who yep. incites yep. a war and gets humans killed. You always see his point of view. Yeah, you always. always feel that he is acting in to the best of his uh, intentions it, within the amount of the, the story he knows. Yep. Uh, it's, it's so he'll ever so. He'll ever be Commissioner Gordon for me. He will ever be uh, the best thing about Leon slash the professional. Uh, Which is funny because he never really looks different. You know, he's no, a character actor. Yeah, same guy. Who same face. never really changes his character. It's like, almost like a Walkenism a little bit in a lot he of ways. Is. Yeah. Well, except Walken kind of always plays Walken. He always plays different people, but they always like Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, Serious Black. I mean, true romance, he looks like a weirdo, but the it's guy, like the guy Commissioner in, uh, Gordon. Who'd he play in? I don't remember his name, but he played the, the baddie in uh, Book of Eli even. And even that yeah. is still that face, but you he's still, still just, yeah. he's in like a button up shirt with horn rim glasses. Yep. And he, he is for whatever reason, because of his acting talent, totally different. Yep. Is you it, know, British accent, American accent, doesn't matter. Yeah. He's an interesting guy, but yeah. Apes, see it if you didn't already, Blu-ray it, whatever. That is a hell of a thing and deserves deserves its and continued I, placement in the top 10 this year and all that. I knew Guardians of the Galaxy was coming out like two weeks after I saw it. And I'm like, you want to know what? If this is the best movie of the summer, yeah. I will be very happy. You'd I'll be, be very okay happy it. if Guardians of the Galaxy comes in between Edge of Tomorrow and Rise of the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, a, an ape cruise sandwich with that in the middle would have been fine. I'd love it. It would have been fine. Except for the fact that we got Star Wars. <laughs> and I said, look, I got in trouble for this. On Twitter, I said, these guys nailed the Star Wars template. That's what I said. Somebody wrote back and goes, oh, great. Uh, Hollywood lifting ideas. Do we ever get anything original? And then you use the word sigh in there. Now, that is not yeah. what I meant. I didn't mean they copied Star Wars. I mean, they, they literally unearthed the body of Star Wars, stole its soul and spirit, and now have it embody their body. In other yeah. words, they took the essence of why Star Wars was a life-altering experience for my eight-year-old self, yeah. and they put it in a new movie, and that new movie made me feel eight again, and I walked out of there. I, I've not had that much fun in a the movie theater, and I can't tell you how long. If they really had ripped off Star Wars, then at the end of it, they all would have been getting medals except Groot. <laughs> yep, you're right. Uh, Oh, I mean, oh, oh, can I Groot? I got a Groot a thing. I got to say a thing about Groot, Groot real Groot quick. It up. Here's a, and it this up. is a spoiler. Uh, so it's a spoiler cast. So I'm just warning yeah. you again, everybody. Um, this was so meaningful to me that my wife is still kind of getting over the fact that I cried during an explanation <laughs> to her about something. So the movie ends and I had bugged her in the middle of the movie. I said, honey, 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 I'm hitting her in the leg. She's like, what? She goes, do you know what he's, what's happening here? Do you know what's happening here? And she says, tell me after the movie. Cause I'm, I'm being really irritating. Yeah. So I, I stopped doing that and I lived through the rest of it, but it was the scene when Groot I, realizes, I think I know exactly what you're he realizes the only way to save this ragtag group of space idiots is to cover them in his, his life giving roots and his branches and protect them. Basically yeah. create a giant ball of him, the, of him that would protect them, and inside there'd be these nice little fireflies and all that. But yeah, they, and, they, and he says, would die, and he and would... says in for the the first difference in his dialogue for the entire movie, right? Is, we are Groot we are Groot, and he but he but here's the key to that moment. Yeah. It was an honest to god tribute to one of the finest animated films of all time, The Iron Giant. 
Yes. And it was in three different levels. And a reminder why DC and Warner Brothers have it wrong with Superman so far. Yeah. They that movie, if anyone will, will recall. By the way, let's let let's save our DC dissection until after we, we talk. Absolutely about it. we will. But I mean like, that's another hour. If they remember Iron Giant, they yeah. remember that there is this scene toward the end where the Iron Giant realizes the only way to save all these people, the only right thing to do is for him to get up in the air and sacrifice himself and fly into that bomb. Yeah. And he does it. And as he does it, part of what gives him the strength to do it is he lifts his head and he says, Superman. In other, yeah. in other words, he remembers the story the boy told him about Superman, what Superman means and why he would do things for people and what 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 Superman's motivations always were supposed to be. Yeah. So it's a very meaningful thing for Superman fans. It's meaningful if you're just a fan of Iron Giant and understanding that character, blah, blah, blah. And then yeah. you also know that's Vin Diesel doing the voice of the Iron Giant. Which you have to imagine that at least that level was coincidental. Uh, sort of, not, except they his- did not cast Vin Diesel until after the movie was shot. This is all true, but the he has the same voice director as he did with Iron Giant, which I think is crazy. So his voice director on this film, which was not like they didn't pick it this way, he's working on the film. I don't know if he had something to do with hiring Vin, but he he's the same guy <laughs> that was there directing him during his Iron Giant reads. Yeah. Then not only that, then this is all done in post, so they can do this after primary filming. He's got his voice. He has him saying this iconic phrase, which is now the only time he's ever said, we are Groot instead of I am Groot. Yeah. He says it in a way that he, he says it in the same cadence. His face looks up toward the, the top of the dome of this ball he's created as he's saying it. And the light overcomes him as he closes his, closes his eyes, which is, you know, the ship exploding and them flying, flying down to yeah. essentially kill him. It's, Frame for frame, what the damn Iron Giant did. And I got so emotional about it. Yeah. That while I'm explaining it in the credits to my wife, I start blubbering like a baby. And she's like, <laughs> it's okay. It's all right. She's like, no, this is too weird. Why am I crying trying to explain to you why that is so meaningful to me? And I think it's just this big com- conflagration of the movie leaves you with like a major serotonin boost or a well, dopamine well, boost. Well, also, I mean, both of those... Both and 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 this can kind of be our the kickstart of our conversation about what separates Guardians of the Galaxy from some of the other Marvel movies. Yeah. But uh, Iron Giant, similarly, it was something other than a non-Disney animated movie because it had this gigantic, pulsing, beating heart yeah. that revolved around very relatable issues of single mom abandonment. You know, imagination in the face of a desolate world or hostile world. Like, there is so much that kind of went into that. Now, the fact that Vin Diesel is the marshal of both of these is, I think, coincidental. But, like, it it is, uh, it it does evoke it, you know? And that's what, what, to Guardians of the Galaxy, all of these characters have very relatable heartache. Mm-hmm. In in a way that Marvel's never really seen before. No, no, you it's know, weird you because it happens. It's happening in the cosmic universe, which is where all the crazy happens, where all the stuff yeah. that's non relatable is supposed to be happening, and yet there it is happening. It's crazy. And you have you know Peter Quill. Number one, that first ten minutes of the movie is up quality. It's, it's crazy. Like it to the point where if they would have lingered on it more, mm-hmm. I would have been crying. Like I was like. I was about to break into tears and it is only because Peter Quill runs out of the hospital that I did not start crying 
within 10 minutes of that. Movie. I agree. You know? Really affecting. Not since Up have I, have I felt the feels in this We're start just of the like, film. It's yeah. just right there. It has everything. And not to mention, it is like, when you look at it on its face, it is this like Ed Wood <laughs> level, like no more kind of a, of, a, of a thing. It's like, so the kid, he's listening to music. His mother dies of cancer, mm-hmm. gives him a present. She dies when he won't take her hand. He goes out and gets kidnapped by aliens. Yep, yep. No, you're right. It you may know? as well have been a, a freaking trauma film. At, at I know it's it's so over the top, but it, it is so <laughs> compelling. The that heart is it. in the right damn place during every second of this film, and so everybody gets that treatment. Yep. Gamora gets this. Drax uh, the Nebula. Destroyer gets it. Well, well, yeah. I mean, like, look, Gamora and Nebula. You know, you get these moments with Nebula mm-hmm. where you oh, know she's she's, so cool. she's sitting there. You know, uh, futzing with her hand while Thanos is going on and on, and and Ronan the Accuser is like they're having their own thing, <laughs> and she uh, and Thanos just like says like, "Well, you lost my favorite daughter," and it it's, you know, you don't know whether or not it's just Thanos trying to screw with Ronan or whatever, but you just kind of get this moment which shows you where James Gunn is as as a director that it's not just him saying it. We have to see Nebula reacting. To no, it bites, and it bites. You know? It bites hard. As someone who who understands the idea of trying to juggle their children's talents and needs and wants and abilities and then she and, and then she Oof. then she just huffs out like like a fourteen year old who didn't get the car. Like, Basically, yeah. You know, like sounds fair, Dad. Bye. Yeah, knowing you he's know? <laughs> and the other thing is you 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 already intuit all these things. Like he's a terrible dad. In fact, let's just say. Thanos is likely the worst well, dad in terrible, the universe. Terrible stepdad. Terrible stepdad. Awful stepdad in the universe. As stepdads go, he's right up there. Yes. Uh, you intuit that. You intuit her storming out of there that even though he's the worst stepdad, on some level, she still wants his approval. She still yes. wants it. She's not getting it. She's going to go out there anyway. And as we find out later, she wants approval. Yeah. Because she eventually looks for approval from Ronan. Absolutely. And she, because she thinks she's going to find it in this. Think of him as the traveling guitarist from that rock band you went and saw. Now, Daddy, I'm running away with him. He loves me. Like, yeah. all of those things are happening subtext. And you're not having to have it jammed down your throat thing. or spelled out. It's just and, making sense. And, and it doesn't, it's not just like, well, we know that Nebula is going to go with Ronan because she's part of the movie. Yeah. And either she's not going to leave and just go sit on the rock with Thanos. <laughs> You know, she's going to be part of the action because it's a movie. And that's what people do in movies. They stay close to the action. Right. But it's because we have that. We have that, just that look. And it shows you how little it takes in terms of screen time. Right. It just takes that little bit. Little bit. To feel, oh, okay. Well, now it makes sense that she's like, no, screw him. He was after the stone. You have the stone. Mm. I'm with you because you seem to actually care about me yep. in a way that he does not. You even have like, so there's always the crack and wise going on with Bradley Cooper's amazing vocal vocalization for Rocket. And yeah. he, you you get it on that level and it still works and he's the funniest thing in it. And, and there's many great moments. The artificial leg and all that stuff is really funny and well done. They establish that character in lots and lots of ways, but the most meaningful moment, which again provides I wonder, this I wonder, heart. I wonder if we have the same moment. It's got to be. And it's a, such a throwaway in terms of time. It's not a thing that took very long, but when they're getting marched into the area where they got to get their their pack and their clothes for the prison ship they're on, yeah. Yeah. the prison station or whatever, there's a very brief moment where Peter Quill, 
already dealing with all his own issues and that, you know, someone else has got his Walkman, which essentially is like someone has the, someone took my mom is what he's basically got the face of. He looks over and he sees, uh, a mangy gnarled back, horrible back of rocket raccoon with all of these like knobs and like entry points for, for who knows what the heck was jacked into him during all of whatever he went through to become this hybrid awful thing. And the sympathy in his eyes said all you needed to know and established this as a victim who is going to rise above his victim status. And it's a damn raccoon. Yeah. It's a talking raccoon, which in the comics, even then I was like, Ugh, I don't even know if I can deal with this in comic form. How the hell are they going to make a movie out of it? But he took the time to do this and everybody got the treatment. Nobody was left out. I mean, yeah. nobody. Drax. Even, yeah, John Drax. C. Riley wasn't even left out. No. I mean, he went home to see his pink wife and his pink daughter for just a second and it was even a late payoff for him but it meant something like it but was you like get, you get that you know just punchy ass john c Riley yeah. is just like it's like you well, know no, like, he's got a family he's got stuff he's not just there to make us laugh or grin or think he's a doofus or why are all these people on that planet so soft and lame like there's more to those people than that and he's doing it with these quick visual cues and still keeping that movie under two hours or whatever it was it's crazy it's crazy the to me. biggest surprise to me was was Dave Batista as as Drax. Yeah, he was great. You know, like because you, you kind of figured if there was going to be a weak link, it's like the, the the professional. Very rarely do you hear the following sentence. I was really delighted by the acting performance of the professional wrestler in that movie. Yeah, usually Not you say, it, yeah, it's about the rock, and live, that's it. Yeah. They live. <laughs> yeah. And, and the uh, yeah, like the Rock. Once in know, a while, pretty, Dwayne Johnson will pound one out, and it. you're like, okay. I mean, the, the Rock. I mean, listen, understand that the Rock was pretty much the only credible action star to come out of professional wrestling. Oh yeah, for very well up till now. And you well, can even I, argue. I, I don't even will, know if Batista is all that great when Batista, he's doing his I wrestling think acting. Will be a good. Uh, he will be a good character actor that we'll be able to slot in and. and if he gets a Drax movie or or something similar, I think he can do well in it. I don't know. He doesn't have The Rock. The Rock's charisma is is very, very, very. Yeah, unique. it's on full. But, it's on high. Um, he was great though. In, My gosh, in that movie, that script is just so funny. Yeah, he gets some of the funniest. I mean, the funniest applause <laughs> line. The one, the lines that stuck with me the most, um, leaving the movie were. Nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too fast. Yeah. Uh, and in that, in the big emotional, uh, you know, we got to rally ourselves to save the universe, like Peter Quill's hero speech. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you have Drax saying, you know, like, you don't even have a plan. He's like, I just said I had a plan. Sorry, I was thinking about something else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally, dude. And then when he when he blew Nebula off the stage there, when she's about to do your atypical, uh-oh, another uh, villain uh, monologue is coming. Everyone sit down for a minute and listen to what Which, she Which, by the way, say. that's another Marvel kind of uh, trope now. These Marvel Cinematic Universe tropes yep. is the the big speech anti-climax, yeah, right? Yeah, like, yeah, they get started and then... But somebody shoots him or whatever. Yeah, or, yeah. or the Hulk smashes them into the They're ground. They're getting really good times. at it. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. That's very reminiscent of that, for sure. Yeah. But she, so he he gets these exactly. chances. And you, then, Peter Quill, you are my friend. This dumb tree, he is my friend. <laughs> this green whore, she's <laughs> like, wait friend. a minute. And then he stops. Yeah, no, he, he, he has heart without actually understanding what the hell that even means. 
you know, pulling. Well, and he's not retarded. You know, he's not <laughs> right. dumb. He's not like really, really stupid. He's got a kind of an appropriate warrior's wisdom. He's yeah. got an appropriate soldier's kind of wisdom where he's not dumb, not exactly the smartest person in the world, but like he has a code and he follows the code. And then also you get that moment where he realizes that he totally screwed up by bringing Ronan to nowhere. And, and he's like, yeah, no, I was an idiot. That yeah. was really stupid. Of me. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I, and I, they told a backstory about a character that we didn't get a backstory for. And that's so hard to do. I mean, we, we take it for granted. We see movies like this go, Oh, that was awesome. You know, in a large part, uh, Avengers did this pretty well as well. But I still feel like there's, without the opportunity to say, here's a Drax movie leading up to this, or here's a Peter Quill movie leading up to this, or whatever, you knew immediately who we were dealing with every single time. It didn't feel contrived or rushed. It just felt right. And yeah. I don't know what that skill's called, or I don't know how some people are good at it and others are just terrible at it. But more of this, please. I mean, I remember when James Gunn was considered, or for a long time, James Gunn has been considered kind of a dick. Like in the, uh, you know, you just hear people on Twitter going, oh, that guy is sexist, whatever. And this, blah, blah. Well, I, I mean, he's done. All right. So let, let, let's let's have the James Gunn discussion. All right, let's do it. James Gunn. My age, by the way. Really? Yeah. He and I are the same age. So James Gunn. Yeah. Uh, long thought of to be in a desolate universe of horror movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of one of the bright shining stars. Him, Eli Roth. Uh, Slither was his, right? Am I thinking that right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and right. I believe he wrote the script for the new Dawn of the Dead. Yes, 2004's Dawn of the Dead redo, uh, the Zack Snyder one. Yes, which, it, which people liked. Yeah, people very much liked. Yeah. So, uh, but he was looked at as like he was a horror guy, yeah. trauma guy. That like he wanted to do horror. If there was ever going to be a horror renaissance, it will be on the back of guys like Eli Roth and, uh, and James Gunn, you know, and James Gunn does a great horror movie in Slither, a great heat creature horror movie. Eli Roth at some point gets kind of caught up in this torture porn thing, which was the, all the rage in in Korea and Japan. Yeah. Um, that stuff really died down here though, didn't it? I feel like it has. It had its run. I mean, you know, listen, it, it, it it basically had its, its Friday the 13th and saw, you know? Yeah, Saw so kind of was the pinnacle, I suppose. Although I guess Hostel was kind of like that was far more in mm-hmm. the like Takeishi Maik kind of style of like really, really super gross, vile, like, you know, watching tendons get severed kind of. Torture. I feel like Cent- Human Centipede in a way was like the uh, the peak and then everyone went, ew. And then we kind no, of. No, I think that was kind of the period. That was kind of the end of the sentence. Gotcha. And it's like, and then we did and, human centipede. And, and now we're all done <laughs> with sewing people to each and other. And Japanese man who wishes he didn't eat the, the lobster bisque and scene. Yeah. And we're done. Yeah. Uh, so. Or a cuttlefish or whatever the hell, or a burrito. I don't remember what it was. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, so you have James Gunn who does that. He's kind of got this weird sort of celebrity sideshow because he's married to pam from the office then gets divorced or separated right or something uh yeah. yeah although friends you know he seems like he's kind of a nice guy does the pg porn thing has mm-hmm. this like weird like consistent relationship with porn stars yeah. which is also kind of odd yeah a little bit um wrote scooby-doo in 2002 wrote scooby i mean obviously a talented director a talented writer uh super was fantastic if you have not seen it yeah 
Um, but he is kind of like the quintessential director that Marvel in the Disney era has targeted. Yeah. You know, it's like him, uh, Ryan Johnson, who's going to be doing episodes eight and nine. Even for Fav- Star Favreau, for some to some degree, is is well, totally cut well, Favreau, from the Favreau was before that, but it's like Favreau at least had. I mean, Favreau was also. It's like they they kind of seem to be in this Moneyball kind of mindset, where it's like let's get guys who obviously have talent, yeah. who have a lot of passion, who are used to working on a budget. It's like if if we had rolled back the clock ten years, yeah. These would be Robert Rodriguez and Kevin Smith. Yeah. That would be getting, and Quentin Tarantino, that would be getting tapped to yeah. do this. Yeah. They're avant garde in some ways. And sure. Yeah. You ended up with, uh, who did Brick? Um, oh, crap. Brian Johnson. Brian Johnson. Johnson. So you yeah, got him doing episode eight of Star Wars. That feels like the same, ca- not casting, but the same exactly. hiring Same uh, exact process. thing. Sure. You, you, go, have- you go JJ because it's a little bit safe. You know, you can kind of get away with this JJ Abrams thing. It's safe. It's avant garde, but safe. Then you're like, well, we know this is going to go great, so let's bring in someone on a little, little further down the ladder, but a little bit more avant garde and whatever. And you bring in Johnson, and then everyone, yeah. And know. of course, uh, Whedon. You know, Josh yeah, Whedon is another good Whedon. example. Another, yep. another big thing where it's like, you know, Josh Whedon now is kind of among the most pa- powerful people in Hollywood, yep. right? Yep. Like, but when they hired him for the Avengers, it was kind of like. Oh, that's just a great idea. You know, fanboys were excited. No, about we it. we all flipped out, but we didn't we didn't know, and nobody. But knew. yet, it's it's paid off, and and now you've seen it with Star Wars in terms of Gareth Edwards, the the Godzilla director, Josh Trank, the guy who did um, uh, what is it called with the superhero oh, kids? Uh, 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 no, the kid well, he is, just he just did Fantastic Four. Yeah, he's doing it now. Chronicle, Chronicle. Chronicle. That's it. Um, I would never remember that name. So, uh, you know, he's just got like, they're doing like, and, and James Gunn is right in there. Uh, but he did have this hair, you know, he had these like little tendrils of, of like, well, you know, is he going to be the guy? And then, but like, then again, this movie kind of operated in, it played both ends, right? Where it was like, well, before it came out, it was like, well, you know, if it does, if it's the lowest grossing Marvel movie, but outgrosses Incredible Hulk yeah. with Ed Norton, yeah. like everyone would be like, well, good job. Yeah. You know, it's nice the first job. patch on the back. No one's heard of these characters. Good job. Uh, you'll probably do a second one mm-hmm. because it's Marvel. Mm-hmm. Um, but just move on. But then when it came out, everyone was like, well, of course it was going to do gigantic money. Yeah, They all want to act like they knew it, but. This movie just blew the doors off. I didn't expect to be so just in, so entertained. I, I thought I was going to just be presented with things like, oh, I can't believe they did that. But hey, I'm a fanboy, so I'm cool with anything they do here. Instead, they made something I feel like I could send anyone I know to. And they would walk away loving these characters, wishing they could spend more time in that world. I know people who just be in love with the color of that world. Like just the colors oh, they used. Oh, color palette was... was and it's funny... How much that stands out compared to something like Green Lantern? Oh, for sure, right? Green like, Lantern like, felt like a weird fake green hue. It it didn't feel right to me, but something in here, 
all the colors they used here it's felt like, like Xandar. Yeah. Everything felt different. Yeah. Xandar feels like Tomorrow World. Mm-hmm. Like nowhere feels like Mos Eisley yep. meets, yep. you know, the the caves of uh, you the, know, the, the interior the of Inquisitor uh, Inquisitor. What's his name? Ship the interior there. The Pie Maker ship is just. I loved how oppressive that thing was. Just, Although that's something that that was like one of those things where it's like I, I did kind of feel like I'd seen everything somewhere else, and I think you know the 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 uh the whatever the 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 pie maker ship is called uh, uh whatever yeah i don't remember the name is uh you know it kind of feels like there's like it, like in the modern era it kind of feels like every evil alien ship is this just super expansive negative space oh i do like that though i like it like the dudes flying it like the weird automaton looking oh that i liked yeah like, though where they were just kind of rolling the circumcised ball at birth weird aliens <laughs> are sitting there rolling the ball around when he tells them to, i love that kind of stuff uh but it, it kind of felt like like zod it's, a, it's a, yeah it's it, the borg it's zod skill. it's yeah it's any of that stuff you're you're that's totally true but i i've always appreciated the although aesthetic. i'll say this like that felt ronan felt like it, it felt like Zod. It felt like uh, Eric Bana in the first Star Trek. It, it, it felt like a lot of, you know, uh, Christopher Eccleston in Thor The Dark World. It, it felt like a lot of those villains. But I had a lot more fun with Ronan the Accuser I than did I too. did. I did too. Yeah, I like, don't know what it was. Some could ar- some have argued that he's really two-dimensional and he's just a bad he guy is. with no No, nothing. he is. But I guess, like, I don't know what it was. Whether it was, like, maybe it's just because you leave that movie where he gets, like, the one the one moment where you kind of get Lee pace as the pie maker yeah. just happens completely <laughs> out of context in the weirdest part of the movie yeah. at the very end where yeah. he's just like, what, what, what are you doing? And what was he singing? That what mean? song was that? Uh, the, the soundtrack. Ooh, child, uh, things are going to get brighter. Right, right, right. <laughs> yes. Actually, that's a good idea to give him the one song that already sounds off key. Cause then you don't sound like you're doing it wrong. You still sound like uh, you're off key. Anyway, Real subtle. Taking yeah. it back. Right. Um, no, <laughs> yeah. Really it's like, but it's, it, I don't know what it is. Like, I just had a little bit more fun with him than I did the other two. Maybe it's because if you compare it to Eccleston and Zod and, and, and the Eric Bana, uh, villain, like they were a lot more manic. Yeah. Like Ronan felt like he was sure the entire time that he was going to beat Thanos and destroy Xandar. Mm-hmm. Definitely destroy Xandar, maybe beat Xanos. There's not, like, it's not like a third, like two thirds of the way through the movie, which I feel like you kind of get in in all those other films. They're like, you need to get the main character! <laughs> like, you know, like he's not... He, he was very calm. Like mm-hmm. it was like you kind of felt like he was this oncoming force, for as much as he's going to be a one-dimensional character. Yeah, right. no, and, no and no die ones. by the end of your, yeah. your movie. No, I totally agree with that. I, I uh, was going to say one of my favorite cameos from the film, yep. which a lot of people don't even notice, but I noticed it, and then I confirmed uh-huh. it later. Uh, the dude in the uh, the dude in the prison, the CGI creature that got uh, Groot's roots up his nose. Yep. When he threatened, what's his name? Was was uh, freaking Malcolm Reynolds? It was um, Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion's crazy. 
crazy mm-hmm. idea. I guess they're old pals though. Him and Nate, uh, him and James Gunn, right? They're like buddies. Yes. No. No. They're uh, so a couple cameos. Yeah. Uh, also in the prison, yelling at Gamora, Lloyd Kaufman. Yeah, Lloyd Kaufman. Dude, that's so funny. Of course, the obligatory Stan Lee cameo. Yeah, that always happens. Uh, you know who you had? Voice, your, uh, who was your the voice of uh, Thanos? Was um, uh, Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin. Yeah. How cool is that? By the way, Thanos, for only seeing him for a few minutes and for all what little we got to see of him or whatever, completely embodied the Thanos of my childhood comic reading days. And by the way, this is, if you look at Thanos, what a dick. You might as well, speaking of dicks, uh, it might as well be Kevin Feig of Marvel Studios (laughs) pulling out his Johnson and showing the audience and saying, yeah, you don't get to see this pay off yeah. for eight years. Yeah. <laughs> like, we're not going to pay it off in Avengers 2. We're going to pay it off in Avengers 3, Yeah, you know, yep. or, or Avengers 4. I don't know. Maybe we'll push it back. Maybe we'll make you wait a decade before we see Thanos dealt with. You might see him sooner in a Guardian sequel than you'll ever will in, a, in an Avengers sequel. Oh, almost sequel. certainly you'll yeah. see it. Which is crazy. Guardian sequel. It's crazy. The closest uh, you're going to get in an Avengers movie is that credit post credit thing where he turned around and smiled for a second at the end of Avengers, and that's it. That's all you're going to exactly. get. Or the next time that we deal with an Infinity Stone, he might, you know, he may pop up. But that's up. I loved his characterization. It was short. Again, the prowess on display here, uh, and teams of people between you know practical effects people, directors, and then behind the scenes, late in production, post people, all being on the same page about this characterization with very little technique, yeah. whatever that is they're using, they got to keep the, you got to keep that around. Whatever that magic bottle is, put that on the shelf when they, when they're making all the star Wars stuff. When JJ Abrams tweets, I think I may have crapped my pants after seeing this movie, <laughs> you know, that, you know, the, the he heat is that? on. I didn't see that. Yeah, he did. He said the heat is on. He said, I think I shit my pants. I just walked out of this movie and I, and, and the connotation was I got to get, we got to get in gear here because you know, we've Which, just been I out mean, Star Wars. That's crazy. It's crazy to think that Star Wars is going to be judged against Guardians of the F Word in Galaxy. I know. I, this all right, real quick, stupid real quick, old comic. Anyway, yes. Real quick cameo parade. All right. The voice of the Ravagers ship. Do you know? Oh, no. Uh, let's see how I do on this test. Uh, the Ravagers ship. I'm going to say I don't know. He's another of uh, James, a James Gunn guy. Uh, he has had brother, a, is it? Because his brother, I know his brother was Rocket Raccoon's no. body double. Yeah, his his brother, who not only plays Yondu's uh, second in command, second in command yeah. but yeah. also was the Groot and Rocket body double. Oh, I didn't know he did Groot as well. Um, oh, yeah, crazy. The, a lot of the mocap stuff. Whenever it was just um, when it was just them, but also ad libbed like the whole. Um, <laughs> oh, we're, we're all just, idiots standing here. Yeah, or whatever. now it's a bunch of jackasses standing <laughs> in a circle. That was so funny. That was a, a, a Sean Gunn ad lib. Really um, well done. He is he like the new? Um, you always hear these brothers. Like you got okay, so you got your Howard, Howard, Clint, and Clint Howard, and Howard, yeah, or uh, not Howard and Howard, but Howard and uh, who's the other one? Clint Howard uh, and Rob, Rob Howard, Robert, yeah, Ron Howard. That's what I meant to say. Not Rob. Then you Rob got Howard's your, actually a friend of mine. Is he? All right, there you go. <laughs> yeah. And then you got your uh, you, uh, who made uh, the 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 the, uh, the uh, damn it. The Bruce Campbell movies. I can't. My brain's not working. Tonight. Oh, Sam Raimi. Sam Raimi and Ted, Ted Raimi. Raimi. Yeah. Like I'm. I'm always thinking about these brother tool uh, team ups. When I heard about that, I was like, Yeah, new generation of brother team ups. This is great. Oh, yeah. And there's a whole 
generation of uh, people who know Sean Gunn as uh, the Gilmore Girls guy. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. My wife loved that show. He was in that. Oh, oh yeah. No, oh, that's, yeah. that's weird. Anyway, so, you, know, so right, you so were the saying. Voice of the Ravager ship. Yeah. He has had a voice cameo in both of James Gunn's movies. All and right. apparently, according to James Gunn, he will always have a voice cameo. Ooh, he's the John Ratzenberger of this joint. Okay. Rob Zombie. No way, dude. Yep. <laughs> Dig through the ditches and burn on the rip of Ravagers. Uh, That's awesome. Here's my favorite. And this will get us into this discussion. Uh, the voice, it's called a spoiler cast, people. Yeah. Of Howard the Duck. Oh, um, someone told me this and I forgot it. Um, oh, yeah, because it's in the, it's, by the way, end of the credits, way at the end, it's a little stinger at the end. Uh, and I still, I still say maybe too soon on Howard, but anyway, uh, I don't know. I I read this now. I don't remember. Seth Green. Oh, no way. Yep. That's the wrong name. Then I went, then I was told. Wow. Yep. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Seth Green. Uh, so give us a prediction here. Do you think a, we get a Howard the Duck movie and B is Seth Green going to play the lead? All right. Number one, <laughs> it's, it's like absolutely ridiculous that you would think that and Kevin Feig said, you know, that like they wanted to do it as kind of like, hey, let's kind of just if, if just for Marvel, like now that Marvel's on top of the heap, let's put our own super positive stink on Howard since yeah. he's kind of almost thought of exclusively as like Ishtar or like the biggest movie failures or, or a George time. Lucas construct. Most people don't even know he's associated with Marvel at this point. And he didn't even direct it. I mean, of all the things that we can dump on George Lucas about, like he just produced it. Yeah. You know, right. Steven Spielberg's produced a bunch of stinker movies. Like, That's true. Like hang his failures around his neck and never let him forget it. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I would think that that would be a legitimate point to say that we would never get a Howard the Duck movie. Until Guardians of the Galaxy just made a billion dollars. That's my point. Is like, so why said not? This. Who knows? I don't know. It still feels to me. I saw the duck and went, oh no! It's still painful. It's still still a little raw from thirty years ago or however long ago it was. But to me, that was Marvel. That was that was another one of those Kevin Feig pulling out his Johnson moments. Where thinking, just, hey, look at me. Just hey, look. You know, yeah, Howard the Duck. Remember that Howard the Duck? Yeah, you just you're gonna clap and scream. The audience that I was I was in with. And granted, it's a. Uh, you know, you know, they don't even do like midnight movies anymore. No. They do like 7 p.m. the night before and yeah. 10 p.m. the night before movies. Just keep moving them up. So I saw it 10 p.m. the night, uh, Thursday night in Orlando, uh, right next to the convention center in Orlando. And I guess they had some kind of nerd con because I saw Was it you or did you go with somebody? Just me by, by myself. Oh, uh, all right, all right. Uh, going with uh, just a bunch of neckbeards with a bunch <laughs> of lanyards around their necks. So. <laughs> It was great. It was my people. It's how I like. To see sure, sure, people. sure. Why not? You're insulated um, from a lot when you go with them. It's fun. Love it. Yeah. They, you, it would have gotten an identical reaction <laughs> if, uh, if Abraham Lincoln had beamed Star Trek style into the theater and said, <laughs> I'm Abraham Lincoln and I've come from space yep. to give you all magical powers. Yeah. That would be the same reaction as Howard the Duck got. Yeah. It was pandemonium in this theater to see Howard the Duck. Like, of course. it was. Uh, oh, but that's what the magic of 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 the Marvel where where they're at now. You yeah. know, they can. It was so good. Our crowd was a little more split. We had a bunch of people yell and cheer, including me. 
And then we had a, <laughs> a bunch of people literally going, what? what the hell did we just see? What oh, is no. That? I saw it again with Ashley on like yeah. Saturday. Yeah. And it was basically just like this, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's just like, because everybody's saying, because normally it's like, you know, it's not any more illuminating. To no, people. but usually it's like, you know, uh, freaking Samuel L. Jackson shows up and says, we got to get this stone or something, you know, like they're expecting yeah. some Marvel. They thing. don't know if, if people who don't know <laughs> Howard the Duck aren't going to know what the infinity gauntlet is, no, you know? No. Um, but then it just like, it's just, it was just like this amazing, like, like, Oh, you let him lick you. Uh-huh. Gross. Yeah. And then it's like, like a mix of regret, comic, confusion. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it, it, it's, it's everybody explaining it to everybody who doesn't know. Yeah. It so was funny. just like, you know, that's what nobody was, was like. Comic. Yeah. No. Cause it was a movie in the eighties. <laughs> yeah. No, the one, yeah. That duck movie. Yeah. It's not Daffy. No. No, man. Um, I'm going to say this last thing about, uh, before we forget him completely. And that's Chris Pratt. Um, Chris Pratt, who, you know, comedic dude, uh, who I remember, you know, I feel kind of bad about this now, but I remember years and years ago catching season one of Parks and Recreation and there's this oaf living in what's her name's house with a cast on. And I remember thinking, well, this is not going to last the full season and we'll never see this goofball again. And it wasn't resonating. And I just like, I don't know what's this is terrible. Couple seasons in, you're like, man, who look who is now key to the success of this show. He is like his big, uh, important person as what's her name. He's huge in this show. Amy Poehler. Yeah, but I never thought you could buff him up enough and space pirate him up enough for me to care about him in a movie this this cool or this big. He's just awesome. That guy's great, and he may so- be playing himself ever over and over. And slightly more buff. Uh, that doesn't matter. Movie stars play themselves. That's what they do. We pay Humphrey them for Bogart that. played Humphrey Bogart. Harrison Ford plays Harrison Michael Ford. Michael Sarah literally plays Michael Sarah in everything well, he's in. With with less successful result than Humphrey Bogart. This is all true. Ford. This is all true. Uh, but you're right. So I don't hold that against him. I guess I'm just, I am impressed with the casting on his huge. Ca- character. And apparently huge. it was the casting director who forced him into the world of, of James Gunn. James Gunn did not want to see him. They had seen a billion different people. Do we know who else was maybe prominently up for it? I don't even know. I wasn't able to read anything like that. Apparently there was never, it never got to the point where they were offering it to anybody. It was all just like, you know, we like these guys, but apparently they were leaning more toward an unknown. Um, like just somebody that has, was not, didn't, hadn't really been in a lot before. And they were, content to cast an unknown but this casting director really loved chris pratt and uh forced i guess like tricked game james gunn into watching him read uh read when he was still chubby yeah uh and was like not knocked it out of the park and apparently james gunn loved him so much after the reading that he didn't care if he stayed fat Right, that he was like, it'd be a better Star Lord. You're a Peter Quill if you're a little chubby, yeah. He's still getting fat, and then Disney's like, no, but for real, go do some sit ups. Like (laughs) (laughs) they send him to freaking. He's married to Anna Faris, right? Which, oh my god, she's a hottie. She probably, Uh, she probably had no complaints. And one of my, one of my comedic kryptonites. She's, she's awesome. I look at her, 
and I see Madeline Kahn. Oh no, like, she's amazing. She's, she's so good. She's so, not. She's not getting the play she needs, though. I think. I feel like she's not. She getting never the role. is just able to kind of get that role that puts her over the top. But yeah. but yeah, no, I totally agree with she's you. Like amazing. I've loved her since Scary Movie, but she's. She can do no wrong for me. Yeah, Every time awesome. I see her, she's but always great. He puts on that helmet and he looks badass. He takes it off and he's a goofy kid. He's again reaches down there and finds some heart. Yep. The, the guys from doubletoasted.com kind of said it was it was Han Solo meets the dude. Yeah. That's it's pretty just good. Like everything is just like like, oh, come on, man. Yeah. Like, you know, it just there's man after everything. Like, he's just like these super yep. casual kind of guy. But yet he is also the space pirate calling people Ranger Rick, you know? Oh, yeah. All yeah. The, this, the music was this, brilliant. Like, just uh, all that stuff. This, this Ark of the Covenant uh, Maltese Falcon vibe. To <laughs> yeah. It. Yeah. I love that. And I also, you know, if if there's if this is the my if this is the one piece of commentary that you, that you listening at home take away from my feelings about this movie. Before this movie, even with all the hype and all the early reviews and the good press, I still would have said I would never watch a standalone adventure starring Rocket Raccoon and Groot. <laughs> I now am here to tell you that I have reformed completely from that standpoint, and I would watch any movie that starred those two characters in an offshoot film. I would and totally I will watch not, it. I will not stand for less than two movies a year that take place in this universe. Yeah, it's I wonderful. want all of them. They embraced the cosmic Marvel universe like nobody's business. They took that aesthetic, which is goofy and weird, and they made it a place I want to go and hang out in. I want to soak in spinal fluid from the floating head of a celestial in so, that world. All right, real quick about Chris Pratt. Yeah. Chris Pratt comes kind of from out of nowhere. Yeah. Huge year for him. Yeah. Voice in the Lego movie. Sure. Parks and Rec is one of the biggest comedies on television. These are the two, and also it should be said, the Lego movie, which I guess isn't this year, it was tail end of nope, last. this year. Was it this, this year? The, yep, these yep, are yep. the two highest, uh, two of the highest rated, reviewed blockbuster films this year, and he's in both, in the star. And role. lining up a little franchise you might have heard of called Jurassic Park. Yeah, right. New Jurassic Park movies, yep, right? Yep, yep. Which seem to be in fairly good hands. And At he the is moment. the lead it. Yeah. Where do you think the ceiling is for Chris Pratt, the action star. Um, we don't, I don't think we know yet. I don't think we're done yet. I don't think we're at a place where we're like, okay, enough Chris Pratt. Um, you know, like, Oh, we are just beginning. Like the, 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 the Johnny Pratt Depp session. turn that Johnny Depp took was a real sharp turn uh, from, Hey, everyone loves Johnny Depp to nobody gives two poops about Johnny Depp. But Johnny Depp was never an action star. No, he wasn't. Um, Johnny Depp was a guy who was a compelling lead in films, not popular films in the way. I mean, like he was the star of an action franchise, but the but in Pirates. But the more they put him to the center of that story, the worse the movies. Did. Well, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what's next. I guarantee we get a heist movie with Chris Pratt running a, a team of of bank robbers or something to that effect, and. Those kind of movies are ripe for a guy like him. So let's 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 line him up next to some contemporaries. All right, let's line him up next to Chris Hemsworth. Sure, uh, Chris Evans, uh, and people Captain are tired Chris of Hemsworth. They are not tired of Evans. Too many Chris's. We have Chris Pine, Chris Evans, Chris Hemsworth. Good lord! I hadn't thought about that. This is the uh, age of the Chris. I know. So we have all those guys: Captain Kirk, Captain America, Thor, and. And Star Lord, who do you want to see in generic uh, heist movie starring Pretty Lady and Gary Oldman's the bad guy? 
Chris Pratt. I mean, like, obviously, I'm we're not we're making that up right now. I agree with you. I think that he has the something biggest there. flexibility. He yeah. has that that Harrison Ford. You just kind of want to be with him, but for a more silly, uh, you know, uh, skeptical kind of modern age. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in fact, I am going to bestow him with a tremendous honor and and something that I've talked about a lot. Keep in often. mind, two weeks ago, you wouldn't be having this conversation. Would not be having this conversation. This movie is a revelation for him, yes. I've talked about this in the morning stream. Who do I consider to be the transcendent female talent of the modern age? Oh. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence. Oh, yeah, you have said that. She'll share your pot, her pot. This is why. Because... You want to have sex with her. You want to be <laughs> friends with her. She'll share her pot. If she's smoking at a party, she'll just give you some. She's that kind of girl. Yeah. You feel that way about Jennifer Lawrence. She can play the best friend. She can play the ingenue. She can play the villain. Doesn't uh, matter. I just see kind of ahead of it. This. Yeah. There's a lot he of that here, is, isn't there? He's the, he is he's the, the male, male version. Jennifer Lawrence. <laughs> Ladies want to have sex with him. Yeah. Guys want to be the you know, best friends with him. Uh, you, he can play the bad guy. He can play the good guy. He can play the comedic lead. He can play the dramatic lead. He can hold the gun. He okay, when is his? Up. When is his? Okay, so Ibit and I were joking about this on the morning stream about when is his Truman Show or his that time where he's like, I want to try something different, and he ends up in some super dramatic thing that could be good or bad. But the point is, he's got to have his like rosebud time. That yeah, I feel like if he's smart. You you try to because I listened to that when you guys were talking about it, and there's some people that are able to kind of shoot the gap, and you get with directors like Martin Scorsese or Wes Anderson or or serious directors that also do comedy well. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and 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 that way you're able to kind of still do what you do, but you trade off your likability. And don't just do the like, oh, Chris Pratt has AIDS. Like, <laughs> although then again, you know, Tom Hanks did that. And, and nobody, he actually, he succeeded. He was a straight comedic guy. Very much, you know, actually, I'll tell you, Tom Hanks might be the who you look at. He might be the, the, the eventual Chris Pratt, yeah. Or the although Chris, he was never yeah. built. He was never built like Chris. No, like, no, Hanks no, no. never had abs like, like no, Pratt's. No, no, no. No, um, he doesn't. But he, but but I guess what I'm saying is, right around the corner, there's something with Chris Pratt where he is a terrible, terrible person in that movie. I and mean, but I, like, I, I but Hanks is. is able to do it. There are people who are able to do it. Yeah, you know, there are people who survive that. Who who's who? Like the key is just not doing a crap, bad, a uh, crap serious movie, or just a straight Oscar bait serious movie. Right. Because if you just do Oscar bait, then Nobody sees it, and you're yeah. Not- if he just plays some autistic guy, I'm out. I don't. I'm yeah. not into that. I want. I want a nuanced. Yeah, exactly. What you're saying is all true, and this should afford him plays his cards right. Should afford him a, the ability to sort of start picking and choosing a little bit. Um, well, number one, he is going to have effectively. I mean, at some point, he's he's going to be busy doing Marvel movies and parks and recreation for the for as long as parks parks and recreation. I think they're in there this is the last season, isn't it? So, so he's as got, soon as that's done, yeah, he's out. He is basically going to have a blank check to do anything he wants at Disney. Yeah. I mean, aside from the Jurassic Park movie. You don't think he goes the road of like 
He's the babysitter for, he's usually a hitman, but this week he's babysitting and the hilarity ensues kind of Vin Diesel mistake movies. You he don't might, think, the Rock, might. Rock does that too. You know, but I think he could carry a movie. I mean, like he's, he's in a very weird place where it's like, I kind of, if, if, if the premise was clever enough or simple enough, but yet had good talent around it yeah like all right so let's say that exact premise yeah right we got this hot script written by my nephew i'm a studio head now my nephew sat down and wrote this it's called hitman babysitter and he is the top hitman for a drug lord and next thing you know but he's also a cia operative working undercover because we can't really make him a bad guy of course but now he's got a babysit uh, the, the president's grandson. Yeah, no, the president's family, which of course includes an infant, <laughs> a precocious kid, a yeah. precocious boy, and the smoking hot 18-year-old uh, first daughter, right? And now hilarity ensues. You give me a good director, I'm kind of into that movie. Yeah, I'm into it. I think I'd be all right with it if it's done right. You know, like that's as generic as generic gets, but I kind of just want to spend more time with Pratt. Yeah. More time with Pratt. That's the episode title, I think. Um, Yeah, it's real strong play here. And it's this is this is his big moment. This is Batista's big moment. This is a lot of people's big moment. Except for, you know, we all complain. How many of your friends complain about Vin Diesel constantly? And all he did was lend a voice. (laughs) <laughs> to three three words Wait, that like, changed once. They've complained about him in this movie. They've no, they've complained about him to high heaven from from oh. here back to whenever they started hating his. Complaining uh, about Vin Diesel is like complaining about rocks. Like <laughs> we all know what rocks are. We all know what Vin Diesel is. But nerds like, are so turn on a dime the minute something goes oh, good or bad. Stop. They're Whatever. the worst. They're the He's worst. Vin Diesel. He's. I, I have there are a few movie experiences that I've had more fun with than watching Triple X for the first time. Oh, I love Triple X, dude. I, I love I am one of those people that actually even likes Triple X too, the one with Ice Cube, even better. I really like that movie. And it's not oh good. My God. No, there I forget if it's in the first one or the second one. I think it's it's I think it's the end of the first one. I kinda hate it. Forever my my computers used to be called the Gibbons test. Oh, no way, dude. And the reason why was because of the line that Samuel Jackson has at the end of the first Triple X, where it's like, you realize, like, basically, it's like Triple X just went through the whole movie doing some crazy stuff. And then you kind of find out that, like, the things that were done were set in motion because of Samuel L. Jackson. And it was like, he's like, well, why'd you do that? And he's like, because you passed the test. Mm-hmm. The Gibbons test, because his name is Gibbons. <laughs> I thought this is such an amazing line. Yeah. I just want to like, I want to be in situations where I could just say to my friends, like, like, oh, like you slashed my tire. Like, why? It's yeah. like, because you passed the test, yeah. the young test. Yeah. No. I mean, yeah. It's look, Vin Diesel. Everybody, everybody likes everybody. Most of us were about to write off uh, what's his name. I mean, we all think he's a good actor, but Bradley Cooper's not anyone's list to get a bunch of nerd cred. No, he loved the guy. Look at his vocalization; oh he freaking Absolutely. nailed it. It was great. It was. It didn't even sound like him. Uh, you know, hats off to everybody. They all just walked away from this a little shinier than they came in. No, certainly so. It was, uh, it was a movie. great job by everybody. And by the way, the movie. 
did a tremendous hold. I mean, or like from we'll see what happens next weekend. But so far, it is making more on its Monday and Tuesday after release than Iron Man three did. That's which, a lot of that's a lot of word of mouth, is what that which is. Aside from Avengers, is the highest grossing Marvel film. Well, look, you already have the nerds. You already had the Marvel people who just like Marvel movies and see the name and say, "Oh, I like that because I sure like that Avengers." I bet I like this too. You already had them over the weekend. Who you didn't have are people going, "What the hell is that?" I just saw a commercial for. That looks so strange and weird. And why is that interesting to me at all? And yet all these people go home and say to those people, dude, you got to go. You're going to love this. Remember Star Wars? It's like that. And then those people got in the car on Monday and Tuesday and went and saw the damn thing. I think we haven't seen that in a while. No, I saw it twice. I saw it twice in one weekend. And and I can't remember the last time that I saw I did something like that. Nick and I are going to go again. We never do that. What we do, we do, but it's super rare. Like I can't, I think the last time I did it was Serenity and I may have done it once. Well, I did a lot for Star Wars back in the day, but it's maybe one other time that I could think of, and that's it. So, I mean, just that that first oh, Avengers, I did that fifteen twice. minutes yeah. of like that that scene with the with the mom. You get the Marvel title card, and then you go right into "Come and Get Your Love." Like it's just like ah, boom! There's your DNA. There, there's that's the movie right there. Big fat heart like you know star lord dancing through a mysterious sci-fi cave using you know lizard rats as a microphone while he's dancing around like that's it you're done that's all you need and that song and oh my gosh can we just you know you know economies of scale they just start producing other economies none of these guys like redbone from 1968 to 74 or whatever they existed and had one hit they haven't seen this kind of record sales since ever. <laughs> like oh, all the Billboard 200 is littered with songs from this movie. It's crazy. Oh God, yeah, no the the estranged uh, stepdaughter of the bass player who's been dead <laughs> for ten years is getting checks saying, "What the hell, Spotify?" <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's one of my favorite whole offshoots of this whole thing is everyone's discovering some of this great old seventies, eighties crap. Which I mean, again, to be fair. And we'll just do this punk rock rapid fire here. Like there are legitimate criticisms with this movie that I would not argue with. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the stuff that is done well, you have seen other places. We have seen the uh, 60s and 70s, uh, you know, song placement in Tarantino movies and other stuff. You know, uh, a lot of it is reminiscent of Star Wars. This is yet another Marvel movie in which the good guys find the who's a what's it. And then the bad guys get the who's a what's it. And then the good guys have to storm the castle to find the who's a what's it to destroy the bad guy. Uh, you know, there, there are elements of it. There are lazy writing like tracks, you know, it takes him doing something completely kind of out of character to bring Ronan to nowhere so they can get the infinity stone. Like there are lazy writing elements to it. I also don't care in any way. <laughs> I had so much goddamn fun with the movie. Yeah, like who, yeah, exactly. That stuff doesn't seem like a problem at all. No, in other movies, I, I just care. get all hung up I on it, but I don't care. I'm having too much fun. In fact, normally I'd be bugged that the Tesseract Cube gets shown as a cameo, and I go, oh, yeah, sure. Let's just, oh, hey, everybody, look, a little note that, hey, did you see Avengers? Well, guess one of the cubes. 
like that stuff usually kind of gets under my skin because it's just such yeah. fanboyism. But oh yeah, well you saw that. You but saw I loved it because you know what? Damn it, that's where that cube, but the cube belongs in the weird Marvel cosmic bullcrap. That's where the thing belongs. It felt right. Everything felt right to me. Even the cheese bag stuff. Cosmo the dog. I hate that damn thing in the comics. But you know what? <laughs> it was awesome to see it and having it growl at Rocket. That's great. Just yeah. bring it on. Just lay it on. I don't care. I don't. None of that stuff. Any of the things like that would never bother me. Give me two dimensional villains. It's fine. If the rest of your movie sucked, then maybe I could complain. But my gosh, all and your, yeah, a transparent yet kind of compelling setup for a sequel with the dad stuff. No, oh, yeah, no, the dad stuff's huge in the book. So if they, uh, they well, I'd be which shocked. they've already gone fairly far away from from the books with the dad stuff already, right? Especially yeah, as far as origin in that, yeah. By making Yandu as different, more different than he is in the comics, and, sure. and you know his Yandu is uh, so different. But I, whatever this interpretation like, like Peter, worked. Peter Quill, like his mom, gets murdered by aliens in the comics, right? Yeah, the cancer thing I think is a well depends on which one you're reading. I think there's some changes there too. There always is, but his dad isn't. You know, spoiler show, guys. His dad is the this is alien guy that visited Earth ten years prior to his like, birth. He's like the crown prince of the universe. Yeah, right? he, she didn't know this. She thought yeah. it was, she was just helping a, a grounded alien because he crashed there. Uh, they do it and uh, kind of have this short life together. And then, which he, by the way, if you're gonna rescue an alien, you might as well get pregnant. Oh yeah, why not? Right. So get knocked you know? out by the alien. <laughs> he leaves. He's this dashing, handsome guy. He's humanoid. You know, he's fine. He leaves because now the universe is calling him for something he has to go do. He basically just leaves her and, you know, kind of just. And like erases dead. her memory. Yeah, but kind of. Um, like blocks off her memory. Something, but that all gets open again and I forget how. But then he, you know, the kid's growing up and she eventually, I can't remember how that all went down, but she tells him about it. From what I remember in just reading, I never read, but I read some some kind of like recaps or like differences between the comics and the, and the movie. Yeah, uh, I'm it's kind on. of like. It's kind of like in in Game of Thrones when when Cersei finds out that uh, Robert Baratheon has bastards all over town, and knowing that like poop's about to go down or he's going to die, like she just starts killing all of his bastard children. Uh, so there'd be no question of who, you know, was the lineage, just in case, you know, there were rumors of uh, of of Joffrey not being pureborn or whatever, right. Uh, so it's like people found out like enemies to the throne after his dad returned back to the fight and, and to uh, defend his family's honor. Once that all was settled, there were people that were like, well, let's let's eliminate all these other like, you know, things out there that might be a problem. So they came to like kill the bastard child of uh, of Jason or whatever. Oh, that was what it was. Yep, that's exactly it. And then he got on their ship and took off and I think he flew it. Yeah, no. So they, they, the aliens, the alien force kills the mom. Jason survives and flies off. And so it's like him kind of running away from earth more than him being abducted from earth, which is such of an element of, of that story. It it is. Um, but then they, they hinted all the things about like the dad wanting to get him back and offering a huge reward for it. And, you know, young. and him being kind of an asshole, which is another element. That He's a super dick. Not. Yeah. That guy. Yeah. So if yeah. they do, they, so they can pick it right up and kind of join the threads a little bit here, kind of where it was in that comic, if they want to, uh, and do it pretty well other than the death of the mom and all that. But, uh, yeah, he's a super jerk. He's, he's, um, I don't know if you've read invincible at all, but there's some real parallels there. Uh, oh, the whole okay. father son thing for sure. 
I, I, there's got to be some inspiration from that. But even if there wasn't, it's it's a very similar kind of thing where you just cannot root for this dad. So I don't know. They they if they pay that all off in the sequel, great. Uh, you know, I don't. I'm trying to remember where it goes. From I there. assume we'll get. I'm assume we'll get that. The question is, at what point do we get spinoffs, and who do we get spinoffs? Oh my for? gosh, dude, that's the thing, right? I'd watch a Drax movie. I'd so watch, the rumor, yeah, the rumor was, which makes more sense considering Guardians of the Galaxy opens up the cosmos in a way that had not been done before. Yeah. Although James Gunn swears up and down that this is a dumb rumor and is absolutely untrue, was Planet well, Hulk. Well, maybe he's not directing it. Well, he says that there's never been a Planet Hulk movie. There never will be a Planet Hulk movie. Yada, yada, yada. I don't think he's uh, in a position to call that, though, is what I'm saying. Like, if somebody else wants to make one, if Feig wants to make one, they'll make one. <laughs> well, you know, his argument is that he knows what the game plan is. Oh, I see. And that he's just telling people it's it's dumb and it's not going to happen. If the end of uh, Avengers features them shooting the Hulk into space, then I say all bets are off and we're getting a Planet Hulk movie. <laughs> and if you're going to do a Planet Hulk movie... Would it be really rad to see a bantering back and forth between Bruce Banner and Drax the Destroyer? Yes. How amazing would that be? To have the sensible one be Drax. <laughs> Dude, whatever, man. They can do right now. They've earned it. They've earned this feeling I have that they can't do much wrong here. So I hope they let this. I don't think things last here's, forever in Hollywood. I want this to go as long as it can go. Here's uh, all. Just leave the audience with this. This is my my soul is Drax in the back of the Milano, which, by the way, confirmed by James Gunn yep. is Alyssa named Milano. after Alyssa Milano. <laughs> it's amazing because he had a crush uh, on her when he was watching had, uh, Who's the Boss when he was a kid. So amazing. So good. Uh, and also the other fun cameo thing is because James Gunn, who I, I had heard when he was doing press for Super, yeah. had nothing but great things to say about Kevin Bacon. Yeah. That Kevin Bacon is the first person to show up to your set. He knows everybody's name. He's super professional. Like he is just a dream to work with. Yeah. And so it was great to see uh, Peter Quill be spreading the legend of <laughs> Kevin Bacon throughout the universe. No one laughed but, harder in that theater than that that moment. I, for whatever reason, that hit the right note for everybody in the theater I was in, and they were laughing. They thought that was the greatest thing they'd ever heard. <laughs> but I am. I am Drax sitting in the back of the Milano as they crash through the dark aster and just screaming and laughing at the same time because I'm so excited not to run in to possible life ending battle, but rather to sit in a movie theater and watch literally anything that Marvel wants to put in front of my face. Yep. It's weird. I feel like a kid. I want the feeling to stay. So please continue Marvel. I think that'll wrap it up for this uh, spoiler episode. They even made that work for me. It's the part of the song I've always hated, but it actually (laughs) works for me because of this movie. They made the Pina Colada song work. Yep. If If you you like like making love at midnight. Yeah, dude. (laughs) Stupid song. And it's great in there. And it makes me want to listen to it now. What is that about? Oh my gosh. And the freaking Jackson five. I went and listened to a whole Jackson five album because of this movie. What's wrong with me? Oh, it's, it is what's best in life. ABC one, two, three, baby. All right. Uh, that'll do it for us. If you guys have feedback, you want to say something, you want to refute anything we've said, you think we've been too glowing today. That's fine. Send us an email. And just because this has been too positive, I still think Pacific Rim sucked. (laughs) It did suck. Especially in light (laughs) of this. 
Uh, oh my God. No, all right, here. Like, just because it wouldn't be a spoiler show unless I, I took a big fat shot at Pacific Rim. Yeah, go for it. Number one, it's a disgrace that it's going to get a sequel, and I hope it makes zero dollars. <laughs> Number two, uh, I wish, I wish that the the hype and praise before the movie came out was flipped for Edge of Tomorrow and Pacific Rim. Because uh, I feel greed. like they they are diametrically opposite in how they were received and how people just wanted to crap on Edge of Tomorrow because it starred Tom Cruise and people loved Pacific Rim because it was a Guillermo del Toro movie. But yet they were, I feel like they were in exact, they, they had Freaky Friday'd in terms of what they deserve. I completely agree. Take that, Pacific Rim lovers. We like you, go, get, uh, Del Toro. We think you're the rad, and we like your work, and keep making no, stuff. No, I but, want do more stuff, but also just make the next one better. Yeah, way way better than that. You phoned it in, brother. Quit worrying about internet crap and buying up uh, the Geek and Sundry. Go back to making good movies. Do what you got to do. It's <laughs> uh, going to do it for us. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. There's more information at uh, frogpants.com. Just look at the podcast listing. You'll find us there. Find send all episodes. the Pacific Rim hate mail to me. Yeah, you know, do- Just send it to justinrobertyoung at gmail.com. Yeah, do that. I... I Scott gets enough random nonsense. Yeah. You can send all, I, I'm the one taking shots. So take, send take, it to me. take that heat. Uh, if you need me for any other reasons, I'm at Scott. I'm wrapping Podcast. you around. I'm growing around you <laughs> like Groot, like protecting you from the nine emails of people who really liked Pacific. Well, I appreciate that and the nice little fluttery uh, uh, fireflies that are in here. <laughs> so it makes us forget where we're at. Uh, good job. Thank you, everybody, for being here. We'll be here next time for who knows what the hell, but we'll spoil something. Don't worry uh, for me, for Justin, and for everyone who loves great movies. We'll see you next time. Bye.